You know, I just uh, love being over here with y'all. I appreciate every one of you. And uh, I know that um, it was a sacrifice for some of you to make the trip, but I want you to know we appreciate it very much. I want you to just close your eyes just for a moment. I believe there's such a thing as natural eyes, and I believe there are spiritual eyes. And say this with me. Our eyes are upon Thee, Lord. Our eyes are upon Thee, Lord. I want to talk to you a little bit about something that I felt like the Lord had laid up on my heart. We have uh, today just a great number of people that call themselves prophets. I would be afraid to call myself a prophet, DJ. Especially some of the things that are being prophesied and are not coming to pass. Y'all hear what I'm saying? A true prophet, if he prophesies, it'll come to pass. And so we just got a lot of voices, and not only a lot of voices, we have dreamers. Just so many dreams, and people can get so caught up in listening to these dreams. Now I do believe that the Bible says old men shall dream dreams and I'm an old man. And um, there are a couple of times in my life that I have had a dream or two and I felt like that the Lord was really speaking to me through that and helping me through it. And so... Just thinking about all of the different prophets and all of the different dreamers, I asked the Lord to just help me to understand really what in the world is going on. And um, I don't want to put myself in the category of a dreamer. I don't want to put myself in the category of a prophet. But I believe that the Lord did show me something. And I would put it in, a, in the category more so of a vision. I could see it so plain, and really that's it. I didn't see a whole panorama of stuff that was around it that was taking place. What I saw was a big area of clouds, they were reaching high up in the sky and, and some of the areas in the clouds was darker than others. You know you say that dreams are not in color. Well, this was in color to me. I could see those clouds in a distance. And that's all. 
And when I woke up, I thought, my goodness, there's nothing that I consider to be any more beautiful when I look into the sky than, than those beautiful clouds. But I knew that there was no thunder and there were no lightning in these clouds. But I knew that they were building and building and building. Matter of fact, they were not moving. They were just stationary. So I felt like that what the Lord was saying to me is, sure enough, there is a storm brewing. But it's not moving. There's no thunder in it yet. There's no uh, lightning in it yet. But it's there. And we know that it is there. So our eyes upon are upon thee, Lord. How many of you know who said that? It was in a prayer. And that prayer was by Jehoshaphat. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about that before we get to that prayer. Ahab was the seventh king of Israel since Jeroboam, which led them into idolatry. He was the husband of Jezebel, and we're not going to get into her characteristics because, you know, she was a very uh, wicked, wicked person. And according to uh, the Bible and according to history, uh, Ahab was also a very wicked, evil king. And particularly for his blatant disregard of God's word, and for the condoning of Jezebel's influence in religious activities. She didn't believe in Jehovah God, so therefore she didn't honor him in any way. Ahab was one of Israel's most powerful king, and when I say Israel, I'm talking about the ten tribes because the nation had already divided and Jehoshaphat was the king over Judah. And so he was a powerful ruler. He reigned over the northern ten tribes from 874 to 853 B.C. Again, he was a powerful king, but he was an evil king. In 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 28, it says, And Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Now he's talking about the kings. He was the seventh. So he was the worst of the seven. And we don't have time to uh, talk about all the events that took place in this man's life, but it would do you good to study about his life. We know basically, I would say, uh, most of us anyway, that uh, he actually participated in a sense in the death of Naboth, which was uh, the landowner there uh, next to the palace, the, uh, the orchard, and he wanted that. And uh, so uh, he got in a state of pouting, and, and so Jezebel took up the mission and concocted a scheme to kill Naboth, murder him, so that uh, Ahab could take possession of his vineyard the land. And when that happened in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse uh, 
20 down through, uh, well, it started 18 through 20. We know that the Lord uh, spoke to Elijah. Verse 18, he said, go down to meet King Ahab of Israel who rules in Samaria. He will be at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel claiming it for himself. Give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they lick the blood of Naboth. You ought to underline that in your Bible. And then he said, So my enemy... You have found me. Ahab is talking to Elijah. And Elijah said, Yes, I have come because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. So Ahab sold himself to do that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he got himself in serious trouble. Matter of fact, the prophet said to him, in the very place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, they are going to lick yours. Now we know Jezebel was not an Israeli. She was not Jewish. And Ahab's marriage to her actually was an act of rebellion, a blatant disregard of God's word because they were not supposed to go into the foreign nations and get wives. A friend of mine preached a sermon one time and he titled it, You May Get What You Want, But You May Not Want What You Get. You may get what you want, but you may not want what you get. Hey, sometimes you can get things that have something tied to them. I heard about a church that was giving away kites and they said with no strings attached. But there are some things you can do that's got something attached to them. Well, I believe that a helpmate is a good thing. I appreciate the Lord bringing about the situation where Pam came into my life and I went into her life. She couldn't play the piano at that particular time, but after we got saved and we realized that we were going to be involved in the ministry, we went out and bought a piano, and she started practicing. I remember when she would start, I would leave. But I believe that God started this thing. Marriage, I'm talking about, a good helpmate. I believe Brother Tyler's got a good helpmate. Paul, under the 
the inspiration of the Holy Spirit said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 13 through 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now I believe that we would dig down deep in that. It's talking about uh, a man uh, that's, that's marrying a woman that is an atheist or vice versa or a Christian married a Muslim or so forth and so on. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? In what communion hath light with darkness? In what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. That's powerful stuff. And I could preach several sermons from there. God wants you to be a separated people. Be ye not unequally yoked together because unbelievers, atheists, people who are of another belief can influence you. I just read to you where Jezebel influenced Ahab. And there are numerous other situations throughout the Bible. Solomon, oh man, couldn't we go on? But we won't. Spiritually speaking, what kind of spiritual fellowship or communion can an unrighteous person have with a Christian, a righteous person? I tell you the truth, I don't like to be around people using profanity. I don't like to be around people that are drinking and partying and cussing and, and using all kind of filthy, dirty language. I don't like that. And I don't like people saying things that causes my mind to conjure up things that are not appropriate before God. I believe that we need to stick to the word of God. We need to stick to the things that are true and pure and acceptable before the Lord. I know what we think about when somebody says adultery. I know what we think about when somebody says a drunk. I'd just like to keep my mind upon the Lord. That's what heaven's going to be like. <laughs> what kind of communion can light have with darkness? I asked a little boy the other day, did he know where Abraham was at when the lights went out? And he said no, and I said he was in the dark. But you know, you can strike a match and the darkness will flee. And you can up and up and up 
the light. You know, there's only one degree of darkness, but there's several degrees of light. Biblically speaking, again, what agreement can Christ have with Belial or Beliah? And that word means somebody that's worthless or something that is worthless or wicked. And I could preach on that. I have uh, quite a few notes on that. And I was going to preach on that one time. Eli's sons were called the sons of Belial. Wicked. You know what they did. Because of a marriage between Ahab's, Jezebel's daughter, and Jehoshaphat's son, there was an alliance that was entered into between the ten tribes of Israel and the king of Judah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 1, it said, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honors and abundance and joined affinity with Abraham. And that word affinity means he entered into an alliance through marriage. And so one commentator said this was the worst match that was ever made in the house of David. And Ahab and Jehoshaphat, which was a righteous man, they became what they say were friends. I want to tell you something. You can be a friend to somebody. You can be a friend to somebody without lining up with what they believe and teach. And just let me say this, being a friend to someone is a lot different than marriage. Even Jesus recognized that. And not too awful long ago, our brother Tyler actually uh, preached a sermon and he read some of the scriptures that I'm about to read. But in Matthew 22, 11 through 14, uh, he shared a story about a king who made a wedding feast and, for his son and invitations were sent out and, and people started to make light of them and, and so they would not go. And finally he said, I want you to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in that my house may be filled or full. And so... The servants did. And verse 11 says that when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment, and he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And the Bible said he was speechless. 
Then said the king unto the servant, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. I could preach from there for a while too. The Lord may call you through His Spirit, but if you refuse, you won't be born again and you will not be among the chosen. Note very carefully, the king came in to see, to examine his guests. Going to take a look at them. I, I remember preaching to you when uh, I rolled up a uh, bulletin and I uh, put it up to Terry Cummins' ear and I was looking through the bulletin and what I was trying to illustrate was that I was looking inside of his soul to see what was in there. God can do that. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your soul. He knows what's going on in your mind. So he came in to examine them and he saw one sitting in the chamber. He was dressed inappropriately, the wedding garment. And surely as we read this story uh, and, and we uh, explore the meaning of it, it's talking about a spiritual dress, which is necessary for a person to go to heaven, you cannot go to heaven. You cannot go to the marriage supper of the Lamb and enjoy from the table without having on the proper dress. Amen. You've got to be dressed appropriately. And so he said, friend, I've met a few obnoxious individuals at time, and I've, I have said, hey, friend, what in the world are you doing? I wasn't using the word friend as we're comrades. I used the word to ask a question. So the word can be used for a companion, Or it can be used simply to identify a person that is professing friendship but is actually not a friend. It can be applied to those with whom one is not on good terms with. Hey, friend! What are you doing in here? You are dressed inappropriately. I'm not on good terms with you. You don't have on the wedding garment. It was provided, but you chose not to wear it for some reason. I want you to listen to this. I think it is possible that unconverted, unspiritual people can leave this world 
in perfect ignorance of their lost condition and wake up only when the light of eternity falls on them to realize that they are lost. And when that happens, they will stand there speechless. Because the next words are going to be, depart from me. You know, people can sit together without being together. We can be friends without compromising. We can agree to disagree without being disagreeable. After World War II, Winston Churchill was addressing a group of of graduates and he said this, never give up, never give up, never give up. And that ended his speech because they stood and they gave him a standing ovation and it was over with. Well, I'm saying to you this morning, never give up your belief in the Bible. Never give up your belief in the Word of God. Always believe it. Always let it have the final say in your life and in your actions. Don't compromise spiritual truths, morals, right and wrong principles, you know, that are laid out in the Word of God to govern our life. Don't compromise your honesty, your integrity, your loyalty. And, and you know, I could preach a sermon there because God anointed Saul, but he compromised the anointing. God anointed Samson, but he compromised the anointing. God anointed David, but he compromised the anointing. David did repent. But I don't think Saul did. Samson got right with God, but look what it cost him. Speaking of compromise, I read the story about a man and his wife had worked out, you know, a compromise early in their marriage. And they agreed that she would make all of the decisions that were small and that he would make the decisions on big things. And now, several years into the marriage, he says, thus far there have been no big decisions. You know, the Lord was not pleased with Jehoshaphat's relationship with Ahab. Wasn't pleased with it. And actually he was confronted in 2 Chronicles 19 and 2 by a prophet of God. And the prophet said, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? There is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Wow. 
Even he got himself in trouble, and he was a great man. Believe you me, he was a great man. Now, finally, I want us to just consider a few things, and, and, and uh, we're going to get to the verse of Scripture that really has led up to all of this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 18, you don't have to turn there, Jehoshaphat went down to Ahab. He went down to Ahab. You know, we are to be looking up. You know what I'm talking about? We are to be looking up. I, you know, I could spiritualize that uh, just a little bit. But when he got down there, Ahab threw a big party. He killed sheep and ox in abundance. And actually did several other things all to persuade Jehoshaphat to go down to Ramoth Gilead with him to confront the enemy. And Ahab asked him, he said, Will thou go with me to Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. Didn't he ask God about it? His mouth just went into gear, and he made the commitment, all because of a friendship that had been established through marriage. But then Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. In other words, I want to hear from God. Now, I've, I've already uh, made the commitment, but now I want to hear from God. And so in verse 5 of 18, Therefore the king of Israel gathered together a prophet's 400 men. In other words, he had 400 prophets. And he said, bring them on, boys. Go get them and bring them here. Jehoshaphat wants to hear from a prophet of God. And so he said, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle? Or shall we forbear? And they said, go up, for God will deliver into the king's hands. There were 450 liars in that bunch, or 400. 400 liars. They did not hear from God. And then Jehoshaphat said to Ahab, is there another prophet here? Is there somebody else? He said, well, there's one another man over there, but he never speaks anything good about me. He said, I want to hear from him. And he comes over. And you know, before he gets there, uh, the man that's with him tells him, said, look, I don't want you speaking bad about what they're about to do. I want you to speak good to the king. Tell him, in other words, they're going up to battle that the Lord's going to deliver the enemy into his hands. And when he gets there, he says just exactly what the man told him to say. But Jehoshaphat said, wait a minute. 
I want to know the truth. And he said it's not going to be good. And you can read the story for yourself. But he said, in this battle, Ahab is going to be killed. Go on up. Engage the, animal, yeah, the enemy, but there's defeat in the air. And Ahab's going to be killed. This is what it says in Second uh, Chronicles 18, 19. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab king of Israel that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And we're not going to get into all that, but it was a, a lion spirit that went, deceived him, and he goes up. But he goes up. Not, not dressed up in his royal robe. No, he put Jehoshaphat in the royal robe. He put him in the, in the chariot. And he disguised himself. He thought, man, you know, the enemy is going to target Jehoshaphat. And that's exactly what they did. The enemy said, target the king of Israel. And so when they saw the chariot with Jehoshaphat in it, they thought it was Ahab and they took off after it. And Jehoshaphat found himself in serious danger. And he cried out to God. And God heard him. And God turned the enemy from him. And randomly a man drew his bow back and shot an arrow and hit Ahab in his chariot. And the Bible said that he propped himself up in the chariot till the battle ended. And there he died. They took that chariot to the very place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth and they licked the blood of Ahab from that chariot just like God said. And so I believe you want to look where he cried out to the Lord for help. It's in verse 31 of 18. I believe that he, Josphat, learned a powerful lesson there. And in chapter 20, there's another battle. And Jehoshaphat is overwhelmed by this battle. And it came to pass, if you'll read in chapter 20, it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, children of Ammon, and then them others beside the Amorites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And he goes on, and Jehoshaphat feared, verse 3, and he set himself to do what? Seek 
the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our Father, art thou not God in heaven and rulest thou Rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen in thine hand? There is no not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee. He goes on. Finally, he gets to verse 12 and there's where it is. He said, O our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no power against this great company. We have no power against this great company. We're overwhelmed. I, I, I couldn't help but think about what the world is saying about COVID-19. We have no power against COVID-19, and they're scrambling. You know what Jehoshaphat did? You know what Judah did? They gathered together to seek the Lord. And look what he says. We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. We don't know what to do. But, can somebody tell me the rest of that verse? But, Our eyes are upon thee. But we don't know what to do. We have no power to come against this great company. But our eyes are upon thee. Ahab had 400 prophets. None of them were trustworthy. Now I'm coming back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wind it up here in a minute. I'm just hot as you are, probably hotter. But, but listen, I, I would be stunned to know how many self-proclaimed prophets there are out there right now. And all of them's got a word. I got, I got a word for you. got a word for you. I could mention one, and, and I won't call the name, but they prophesied that this individual would be the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi. Prophesied it in a church, running maybe a couple of hundred people. Prophesied this man was running for mayor, and they prophesied that, that this person was going to be mayor, and it didn't happen. God has a few choice words to say about that kind of thing in the Bible. 
And by, and by the way, if, if I see a self-proclaimed prophet, I usually just go on. You know. Now, you know, you you've got you you can do whatever you want to do, but I'm just telling you about old Larry. I know a prophet you can trust. I know a friend you can trust. I know a word you can trust. I know a Savior you can trust. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now, Matthew 24, and I know you've read it many times, and I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to go over it a little bit. They asked Jesus when the end of the world would be. And number one, four, verse four, and Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. A person stole an outboard motor from my brother. Pretty expensive motor. And you know, a person told him, said, Leon, if you'll go over here to Sister So-and-So's house, y'all know what I'm talking about? Sister So-and-So's house, she'll tell you who got your motor. And Leon is telling me about that. We're Christians, see, we're believers in the Lord. He said, what you think I ought to do? So we mentioned it to a friend. His name was Irby Rogers, and Brother Irby Rogers looked at him and said, Leon, I believe I would pray and ask God, and if God didn't tell me, I'd forget about it. If you can't find it in the Word, honey, if the Word of God don't back it up, forget about it. I just tell you there's a lot of things being said out there that we need to forget about. We don't need to be uh, influenced and caught up into these things, amen. Look, amen, Jesus Christ is going to come for sure. Keep your eyes on Him. Now he said, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. I, there, there is people right now that's saying they are the Christ. Jewish rabbi says, in September, the Messiah is going to be revealed. There's another man that took Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 9 and preached on it, and at the end of it, he said, I am the Messiah. I'm the Christ. He's a liar, that's what he is. And the Bible says all liars shall have their part. Now here we go, and I'm not far away. There shall be wars and rumors of war. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. When you look at that, Brother Tyler, you know this. This is ethnic groups. This is what's going on here in our own nation. 
ethnic groups rising up against ethnic groups. Do you know that uh, Black Life Matters is, is, is actually um, a, an organization that is uh, rooted and grounded in the mar Marxism? And they want to destroy the government of the United States of America, but I don't believe they're going to get that done because I believe the U.S. is going to stay strong until the rapture takes place. That's what I believe. And then he says, uh, And there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. One man is saying that total chaos is coming in November. If Trump is elected, total chaos. If Biden is elected, total chaos. Well, I don't know what it's going to be, but I guarantee you this. Jesus is sovereign, amen. He's over it all. He's got it all. He knows what's happening, amen. He knows what's coming down. I know there's some things in the Word of God that must be fulfilled. He wants you to know, amen, that He's got you, Tommy, amen. He's got you. He's going to take care of you. And don't worry, don't fear, amen about what you're going to eat. God is going to take care of His children. Yeah. Our eyes are on Thee, Lord. Our eyes are on Thee, Lord. You ever look for him uh, on the clouds? <laughs> you know, I, I just, uh, big old clouds, I, I, I could see those big old towering clouds and I'm just looking for Jesus right up there on top of them. <laughs> Whether I can see him or not, is there, Tyler. Amen. Amen. He said, don't you fear, don't you fear. Don't walk in fear. Fear not. I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. I said something to you last week. I said we have the Word, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the name of Jesus, and through that name we have the authority to defeat the devil. Amen. Jesus is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is going to come someday and take us away, and we're going to leave, be with Him forever. Amen. God bless you. Give Him a good hand clap.